0: So, uh, um, if you're using one of the church Bibles, I'm going to give you a couple of page numbers in a sec, and I will remind you of the second one when we get to it. Uh, So, we are starting today with Psalm 32, and after that we are moving uh, back to Philippians chapter 3. But to start with, Psalm 32. Uh, and that you can find that on page five hundred and fifty-five if you have one of the church Bibles. And if you want to get your finger in the next page, um, after that we're going to page one one eight one, um, but we're starting on five five five. All right, Psalm thirty-two. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in great waters they shall not reach him. You were a hiding place for me, you preserve me from trouble. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Uh, Now we move across to Philippians, chapter 3, and we're reading from verses 1 to 11. Page 1181, if you've forgotten. becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead.
1: Thanks, Hugh. Well, morning and welcome um, again. Uh, How about with us oh heavenly father we thank you for your word to us this morning and just for how it captures a wonderful truth about what you have done for us in the lord jesus we pray this morning that we might be captured by jesus we pray that we might hear these words and be moved to glory in him all the more we pray this in jesus name amen well yesterday i was at my uh grandpa's 90th birthday And, you know, I was having a discussion with one of the extended families, as you do when you see them every kind of 10 years or so. Uh, But I've changed to be in ministry. And so this person, uh, let's call him Grant. That's his name. His name is Grant. Um, You know, I I think last time I chatted to him, I was an engineer and then I'd move into ministry. and And it took three different conversations for this question to come up. And... He kind of, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, we'd have a chat for a while, then move around then have another chat later. And he said to me, you know, Andrew, I'm not all that religious. Like, he just felt like he had to tell me. I'm not all that, you know, I'm just not into that religion stuff. And I kind of said, oh, okay, that's interesting. What, what do you mean by that? He said, you know, just all the different rules and stuff you've got to do. And it just doesn't, I know, it just doesn't do it for me. But if it makes it happy for you, that's okay. And if it makes people happy, I'm happy with that but it's just, it's just not for me. I don't know if you've had a conversation like that, where people have kind of said, you know, if Christianity, as one of the religions, makes sense for you, that's okay, but I'm just not into it. It doesn't really fit, fit me. My reflection, as I tried to discuss with him, my reflection was people are just so confused about Christianity, aren't they? They're so confused about what the core, the heart of it, is about. And the sad thing, the devastating thing, as I was chatting to Grant, I was trying to say, you know, it's actually not about that. Just could not hear it or could not see it. And the the sad reality is many want to ignore or dismiss Jesus and Christianity because they have an, an opinion about it, which is about what you do which uh, they reject. See, you know, when you think about religion, uh, you know, they'll probably tend to pile them all together and, you know, they kind of say, it doesn't matter what path you follow, uh, you know, whether it's Buddhist or Mormon or Islam, you know, at the heart of them all, they think, is all about trying to work your way to God. Sure, they have kind of different ways of allowing for failure, yes. Uh, I mean, none of us are perfect, are we? But at heart, they think it's all about doing stuff to get right with God. Can I say just now that this is so far from Christianity, it couldn't be further from the Christian truth. And this passage we just read, Paul just absolutely smashes that concept, doesn't he? He absolutely whacks it out of the park and he calls it rubbish. And he doesn't just go, it's a rubbish concept, he goes, actually, this... Is something we've got to be very very careful that we're not tempted to go this way he he wants us to be warned he wants to warn us look how strongly he warns us against this in verse 2 he's angry he's like verse 2 look out for the dogs again look out for the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh the dogs the evildoers the mutilators of flesh He wants to warn the Philippian Christians of the danger of this group of people who want to rob them of any assurance and want to rob them of any confidence that they can have in Jesus. See, in the time, just like now in the first century, there were a group of Jews uh, who believed that it was about what you do to be right with God. And so these Jews, they they claimed to be Christian, they went around kind of following the apostles as the the gospel went out to the Gentiles, and they would follow them, and they would kind of then, once the apostles had gone through, they would kind of bring them up to speed and say, oh yeah, Jesus is good, but you know, if you want to be truly Christian, uh, if you want to kind of make sure you can have confidence uh, that you are going to be saved, you know, Jesus is good, but you've got to be circumcised. Uh, You know, you've got to abstain from particular foods and drinks. You've got to kind of keep certain days. Uh, For them, they're called the Judaizers, it was all about becoming a Jew. So they were like, yeah, Jesus is good. You have Jesus plus something else. That will then make you a true Christian to bring you confidence. It was Jesus plus Old Testament laws. Uh, In particular, what Paul's speaking about here is literally... uh, Confidence in the flesh, confidence in well, removing part of the flesh, in circumcision. Literally, he's saying these people grounded their confidence in religious rituals. And Paul, he is angry. He is angry and he wants to warn us, do not go this way at all. Whenever you go Jesus plus, whenever it says something to that, you've got to get alarm bells have to go in your head because what it's doing, it's leading you away from Jesus. And it's actually, it's going to rob you of your assurance. Now, I'm not sure if you think about circumcision, whether that's a danger for us here. Hopefully, there's no one going around saying, hey, you want to be a confident Christian, let me, let me show you a good Jewish doctor. I know, I don't know. I don't know if there is and uh, if there is, it would be odd. But, you know... That's, that, I don't think that's what's going on for us today, but at the heart, I think there's a temptation for that, isn't there? That we always want to contribute something to our standing before God, something to our relationship, something to our confidence. And it's actually at this point which makes Christianity and the good news of Jesus quite offensive for us, because it's not about us and what we do It's not about what we bring to the table. And that's something that, for many of us, it took us a while to come to because it hurts our pride, doesn't it? When you come to the point where you realise, actually, I don't bring anything to this table with my relationship with God, to my confidence as I stand before God. Actually, we do bring something. We bring sin and the need for forgiveness. But I don't bring anything. And that is why uh, the, the temptation to do stuff, whatever form it is, still lurks in our hearts today. It might not be circumcision, but there's something where we can drift to our own efforts and energy and our own fleshly performance. Now, how does he kind of whack this out of the park for us? He kind of shares his testimony, his story, doesn't he? And he, he says, I used to think that way, and I used to be the best at it that anyone can ever boast about, but now I think totally different. Have a look at... um. Uh, verse 3. He says to these people that want to give you confidence by doing so, he says, for we are the circumcision, that's the Philippians, we worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcising the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's saying to the Philippians, you know, if anyone thinks they have confidence, I have it. Look at me. Look at my history, my pedigree. He says, I'm more Jewish than any of you. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. You can, you know, track my lineage up to Jacob and to Abraham. You know, there's no mongrel kind of in my family line. I'm purebred. I'm a purebred. And Paul's saying, I've, I've been in the right family. Uh, I think, you know, this idea of your family is a little bit of a thing that we have to wrestle with today, isn't it? Those people that have been born into Christian families, you've got to, they come to a point where you realise, actually being a Christian isn't just being born into a family that have Christian parents. It's actually come to a point where you realise you've got to go, actually there's no family tickets to heaven. It's not about that. It's actually uh, about what I believe about Jesus. I remember that for me was around high school when that happened for me. But Paul's saying it's not about family and your uh, history and your pedigree there. And he's also said it's, it's not about your performance either. Have a look in verse 5 there. Um, he says, And as to the law, as to zeal, church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's saying, I, I was as good as it gets. Now, I think Pharisees kind of get a bad rep today, don't they? When you read the word Pharisee, you automatically think, oh, yeah, bad guy. Um, we kind of write them off. Um, now, we kind of rightly do that, because as you read the gospel, they do trust in their own religious actions and their law-keeping and their rituals, but they were not kind of bad guys. Uh, they spent their whole time studying how to be right with God. If you want a modern equivalent, it's like, it's like Paul went to Jewish theological college. You know, he got an undergrad... And then he went and stayed on and did a PhD in how to please God. And then after he did a PhD, he got a job in the most prestigious Jewish theologian college. And he, you know, he just advanced and advanced and advanced in this way of life. Uh, he is, and you know, as to zeal, he was a persecutor of the church. He was so committed to the religious Jewish way of performance that he went out of his way when any other concept of being right with God other than what he was convinced of, he wanted to persecute them. He wanted to squash it down. The, the thought of Jesus, the God-man, hanging on a tree to bear our sin was so horrible. Like He could not c- comprehend that thought that Jesus could be God that would die in our place. He's like, I have to squash this. This is, um, this is ugly. And any of the followers that follow that he goes on to say his righteousness, blameless. You know, Pharisees, they, uh, you know, they were the ones that, you know, the Ten Commandments, and there's about 600-odd other laws that the Old Testament had, and they, they went above and beyond following these laws. You know, they would make up laws so that no one would ever accuse them of going anywhere near breaking those laws. They were the strictest of the strict. And according to the Jewish way, he's saying, I'm blameless. See what he's doing, he's saying, you want to talk about confidence in the flesh? I I have it. I was as I'm as absolutely committed, I was as absolutely committed to that to anyone. And I, I was nailing it. I was far better than any of you are. Um, you know, I, I had the croc. does anyone seen the movie Crocodile Dundee? You know when the guy, um, it's just a famous line, that's not a knife? You know where he says that? It's like, you know, these Judaizers are saying, you know, you've got to do this, and it's like he's crocodile Dundee. he goes, that's not a knife, that's a knife. I've, I just have this memory etched in my mind. Sorry if you haven't seen Crocodile Dundee, but you'll, we'll watch it together one time. Um, it's, um, you know, that's what he's saying to me. That's what he's saying to him. You think you've got it. You have not got it. I had way more than you ever had. And whatever you had, I had more. But I don't even go there. Because what happened? He came to meet the risen Lord Jesus. And he, he discovered that no matter how impressive that way of life was... It could never pay for his sin. And he discovered that only Jesus can. So he says, I'd put no confidence in the flesh that way. But now verse 7, he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith and the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You see, he's saying, now that I know Christ, now that I know the surpassing worth of being found in Him and personally knowing Him, all those other religious things that I thought were good and impressive, I now consider them loss. Have we got any accountants here? You know, accountants accountants you know he's he said what i had put in my profit column i've now put in my expense column what was now uh, what's the other terminology hang on Assets. asset is now a liability it's and and if you if you think in that sorry Sue, so you that, go again what would you say debits and, debits and credits that's right if you think in credit cards and yes um what, more than just he's kind of wiped them off like as in they're of no value, actually, do you hear what he says? They're actually a loss to him on the account of knowing Jesus. So it's not that it's they're of no worth and they're not that much. It's actually, no, they're negative and costly and dangerous. Uh, verse 8, he says, he counts them as rubbish. Now, that's the translator's polite way of saying dung. That's the, that's, you know, they're saying that it sounds as literally poo. Um, yeah, poo. That's why i think i got a little bit sidetracked with jasper talking about i was like oh you so paul's thinking about poo too um but what he's saying you know he's saying all that religion relying of self and of our on our own flesh is all if i can put it in an australian way crap compared to knowing jesus that's what he's saying he's saying He knows Jesus is so far outweighs and so far surpasses any of that performance and pedigree that he just wants to know one person and one thing, Jesus. So when you go to the toilet and you do a number two, turn around, have a look and think, my performance, my pride, my self-worth, press the button and watch it go out. Remember that, remember that. This is where it belongs. It belongs there. If you want to ground your uh, relationship to God on that, because Paul says it's dangerous to us. It's dangerous to us. We cannot be there by religious performance. If you're trusting that, you're trusting in the wrong thing. And putting your confidence there is putting it on a foundation that cannot hold. It will not stand. See, religious and religion is actually... So dangerous to Christianity that it's not funny. Yeah, you know, we all we think what's what's it, what's dangerous to Christianity moving forward. I don't know my my uh, parents and uh, in-laws always considering how bad society's getting uh, and how it's, my kids are going to find it the hardest growing up as Christians. You know what Paul thinks is the most dangerous thing to Christianity? It's religion. Religion, self-worthy, prideful religious people that think what they do gets them into heaven religious people are dangerous now did you notice the language that paul uses once he found christ have a look verse 7 he says whatever gain i had it was i consider it loss for the sake of christ verse 8 everything was a loss surpassing to the surpassing worth of knowing christ my lord for his sake i have suffered the loss of all things so that i may gain christ Verse 9, that he wants to be found in Him. Verse 10, he wants to know Him and becoming more like Him. See, all these phrases that Paul uses now, they're all relational, aren't they? See, the alternative to religion is relationship. All those religious works of his flesh are rubbish compared to that relationship he has with Christ. Christianity at heart is not about rules and performance, it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's it's about relationship, not religion. How do we we receive into that relationship? Well, he tells us in verse 9, it's through faith in Jesus. But if you're here this morning and you think Christianity is just like the other religions, can I say it is so far from them, because it's fundamentally about a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus tells us you can never earn your righteousness. It's given to you. He says you can never work your way to heaven. It's actually given to you by God. It's not about what you do for God, but about what Christ has done for you. That's at the heart. That's at the essence of Christianity. Now, I want to land this for us this morning... And uh, I've got about four reflections for us that I want us to think through. Firstly, uh, one of the questions um, which we just did in life that we always ask ourselves is, if you were to stand before God, right, and He were to say to you, why should I let you in, how would you answer that question? How would you, what would you say to God? Would you say, you know, I tried, my parents uh, were Christian, I went to church, I was baptised, I served at church, uh, I, I helped out others where I could, I supported and gave money to others. Friends, if you were to say that, can I get you, listen to Paul. He says, he says, with his record, I don't even look to that. It's, it's negative value to me. There's no place for confidence there. If Paul had no hope, I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to offend you, but you've got, you've got Buckley's. He had no hope. If you think, I'm going to rely on that, you've got Buckley's. There's no way possible that you can stand in this ground. He doesn't go there because I say, don't, please don't go there. Listen to Paul. Listen to Jesus. The only way that when when you meet God is when you say, you shouldn't let me in, God. I don't deserve to be here. My righteousness is filth, but Jesus' righteousness is wonderful and it's a wonderful gift that you've given me because Jesus died for me. Secondly, I want us to reflect on this very truth means that as Christians, we ought to have confidence and assurance that we can go to heaven. We ought to have confidence that we can be here today in this building, knowing that when you die, God will say, welcome, come in. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. I don't know if you're, if you get plagued with um, doubts and fears about whether you're right with God and in relationship with God, uh, and you kind of it makes you anxious at night. Can I can I say that no matter what you've done or not done, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what Jesus has done for you. He died in your place. Trust him. Have a relationship with Him. And sure, you can look around and see people doing better at life than you. It doesn't matter. Look to Jesus. See your hope and your confidence and your assurance is there. Uh, That is where you can have hope and confidence and assurance. Um, That song we sang just before, you know, um, fears are gone, my hope is in. What is it? Because Christ is mine forevermore. We sing that here because of this profound truth. God wants us to have confidence and assurance. If you don't, reflect on what your heart is doing. Is it looking to yourself? And one of the things that's the best thing to do when it looks to yourself is take your eyes from looking down and look to Jesus because that is where you will have confidence. And it's liberating news. Now, that was the second thing. My third thing I want to land for us is... Maybe you do have confidence and assurance, but you, you know, the, the phrase that Paul said of, do I consider everything a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ? I think this is a little more subtle for us to live out. And I think it only kind of comes out, possibly, is when you lose something that you didn't realise you had your, a bit of your identity in. Uh, and a helpful question I ask is, you know, where do I find... My identity. Uh, I remember when I um, moved from being an engineer to doing MTS like Jasper's doing, I remember the sense uh, that I felt when I was like, I had no idea that I'd found my self worth or my identity in being an engineer. I thought, man, that's a ridiculous idea. Who'd want to be an engineer anyway? But then I realized that as I was sharing, I've given up engineering and I'd gone into ministry. I realized part of me was kind of embarrassed by that and I'd, I'd realised that there was a part of my self-worth that I had lost. See, when you think about your identity, what is it in? What defines you? You know, is it that you're married? Is it that you're an architect? Is it that you're a father? Is it that you're a husband? Is it that you're an Australian? Is it that you're an Anglican? You know, what, what is it that defines who you are? At heart, our identity is found in Christ. We're a, sa- a sinner saved by Christ. And because of that, we know that we, we aren't kind of bound to all these different things that are so fragile and can be taken away from us. Paul, he had his identity fixed in Christ. Everything else was rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Once you have that in your, in your thinking, it actually allows you to be better a better husband, a better architect, a better father, it, because those things no longer define you. You have assurance and contentment in Christ, but it liberates you to actually do those roles in a way that serves others and doesn't come as a reflection on who you are and how, um, what your status is. See, Paul had lost everything but he was the most joyful, other-person-centred Christian there is. He's writing from prison saying, Rejoice in the Lord. See, this truth is so liberating because we don't obey God out of fear. You know, we don't do good things in order to try to uh, get to heaven, but actually we know that we're given that. We know that our identity is so fixed in Christ that we can rejoice and just give ourselves to others and for their good and to serve with joy. Um, I've got one last thing for us. Knowing Christ, it actually, rather than kind of um, taking away from a life lived in joy and service of Christ, it actually us, motivates us in a way that laws never will. See, we were having this discussion um, a little in uh, staff planning about uh, some people that they were, we would, I'm going to call him um, Gary. His name's not Gary. Um, but, you know, they were saying, we're, we're just talking about Gary, and we're saying, well, you know, he just doesn't seem to be on fire for Jesus. He doesn't seem to come to church that often. I mean, he's only been to Bible study like a couple of times. Um, you know, he doesn't want to be generous with his times or doesn't want to serve. And, you, you know, what can we do? I don't, I don't know what your thought is there when you think of that. You know, what, what do you do for that person? How do we help them grow and mature? Uh, the temptation is, isn't it? The temptation is to think, oh, maybe we can put some laws in place or say how important it is and, you know, you really should be trying to get to Bible study uh, growth groups 80% of the time, you know. Uh, you, you know, you, that, oh, maybe church, why, why? put laws around how often you've got to come to church. But here's the thing, right? Laws don't change anyone. They just induce guilt and shame, don't they? And they often just lead to hypocrisy. See, if you say this to Gary, he's just going to kind of turn up for a couple of months, put a veneer of religion just to keep us off his back. See, what uh, Rod said, and which was very profound, Rod said, these persons, often the people that aren't involved in church life, they don't have assurance. They don't have a basis of who they are in Christ and their assurance that their salvation is fixed. See, it stuck with me. See, what does Gary actually need? What do you and I actually need? It's it's to know Christ better. It's to know Him deeper, to see the value of who we are in Him, and that will then, in turn, lead us to be generous, to want to serve Uh, to prioritise the gospel going out, to be a better husband and father. See, Paul, he counts all as lost, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He just is so, it's like he's found the pearl of great treasure. He's seen how wonderful he is. He doesn't want anything in comparison. Friends, I want us to see Christ as that pearl, to count everything as lost compared to knowing Christ Jesus. And so that's my prayer for us, uh, and so let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this gospel message about Jesus. We know we can be tempted to trust in other things other than Christ alone. And Father, we pray that you would give us the wonderful joy, contentment, assurance of knowing Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And we pray, Father, that that might motivate us to love and to joyful life. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.